If you like to do this, or that, or even that, and you want to stay with it, Emery's got your back, or your shoulder, or your hip, or your knee. Our sports medicine specialists treat more world-class, professional, and college-level athletes than anyone else in the state. We'll treat you like a pro and get you back in play. That's the Emory difference. Make an appointment at emoryhealthcare.org sports. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden & Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. And thank you, Scott Slade. Energy does matter whether you're in Atlanta, whether you're in San Francisco or Fort Lauderdale. Everybody uses electrons. And we're talking about energy and and telling you why it matters today. In the studio with me, I've got some very smart people. And as we said uh, in our last episode, you definitely can get some continuing education credits uh, by listening to Energy Matters this week. Dr. Tidwell from UGA, Dr. Jackie Tidwell, is back with us. She went to Grand Valley State initially before she got her Ph.D. at the University of Georgia. Welcome back. Thank you for having me here. Andrew Saunders, you're a double dog with wildlife biology as an undergrad. How fun was that? It was a blast. Yeah. They let us play with dynamite at times. Seriously? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Beaver dams. Yeah. So uh, so let me tell you a story about a beaver dam uh, because my dad lives on my granddad's original property that he bought in 1942. And Stand by to edit. My dad is 80. And wow. he has been in this battle with these beavers. Hmm. And you can't shoot them as a i guess as a citizen and so he hasn't shot them but he has tried to destroy their dam Mm -hmm. and the things that they're building because they they dam up the bottom land and make it unusable so have you ever done battle with a beaver i have battled beavers what i would suggest is you're not going to (laughs) win but there are tools to mitigate so what he really wants is a clemson leveler We'll give them a little bit of credit. It's a way to keep water flowing despite their efforts to dam. Or the cheaper off uh, setup is what's called a three-log set. Basically, any way to move water through a dam that they can't stop. Wow. So, and you did your under undergrad at UGA as well as your master's degree in forestry. Yes, sir. Right. So, a lot of forestry majors, a lot of forest in Georgia, 26 million acres. Did you have a, a master's thesis that you did? In that no, program? I did a non-thesis master's, and I really kind of bridged the gap between forestry, uh, urban environments, and GIS. Yeah, and John, you were up in Chicago, Lake Forest College, and spent time in Tennessee b- before making your way Correct. down Correct. I'm a history major, so that would make me the least educated person, apparently, at this, uh, at this table. Well, I'm an English major, so... I'm with you. Uh, I've read a lot about energy and a lot about trees and a lot about the other things we talk about. But I do have two masters from the University of Georgia as See, well, one in public relations and one I'm in, in the non- junior position. nonprofit organizations. Mm. But we'll we'll talk slow, John. Okay. Uh, okay. You. Thank you. Well, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we've got some questions today because we've got a linguist in the house, Oof. Dr. Tidwell, uh, and words matter. In context, yes. Uh, yeah, in Tell context. Tell that, would you? And, and, and so when we talk energy lingo and we try to define these things here, oftentimes people are scratching their head. And this show is an early morning show, so folks are waking up. Uh, so they, maybe they haven't had their second or third or fourth cup of coffee yet. So we want to unpack this uh, for folks today. So I'm gonna, I want to start off by just asking, John, what is the difference between solar thermal Mm-hmm. and photovoltaic, a PV that we hear about. Can you explain so we, the difference? Well, that's a, it's a great question. When we when we think of solar, when you talk about solar, uh, everybody instantly thinks of solar electric panels. These are the panels we see 99% of the time around. It's a panel. It creates electricity, and there you go. But when you, when you have solar thermal, you have a panel that has zero electricity coming into it and zero electricity coming out of it. It is essentially, and it happens to be a, a mix of glycol and water often, uh, but it is a solution, a water-based solution that goes in. The sun or the infrared heats it, and then 
the water, uh, the solution comes out and is then uh, essentially put in your hot water tank or goes through a heat exchanger and, and heats water. So there are two different ways of creating uh, energy, and people forget that hot water is energy. Andrew, let me ask you, uh, one of the things we do at the PSC is set rates. Uh, we create different tariffs that people can choose from. The average person just pays their energy bill. They call the power company. They get their energy going at their house, either either natural gas or electricity or both, and they pay their bill. But there's something called real-time pricing or time of use. And why why should a person care about that? What is it? Why should they care about it? And is that something that residential uh, folks who listen to our show should consider? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea behind either is that energy is more expensive at certain times when there's more demand, and it's cheaper at night when there's less demand. And so if you can have your uses be at night, say to run a dishwasher, heat and cool your home, charge a car, that you can pay less for it. Um, but what you have to be really careful about is that you're not using energy during the day in the summer between 2 and 7. Um, so absolutely, you should check it out. And in fact, uh, I've had utility companies run analysis on my behalf where they'll look at the data from my meter and say, you know, Mr. Saunders, if you were to switch to this tariff, you could you could save, a, you know, a few hundred dollars or and whatever. tariff it is, be, the, is the rate. The rate. That's okay. right. Sorry. All right. Um, so, so definitely worth checking it out, especially if you're one of those people that kind of thinks about when you use energy. Give some names. What are some of those programs called? Like uh, nights I, and weekends. Nights and weekends is what Georgia Power okay. calls it. So if you just if you go to georgiapower.com forward slash nights and weekends with the EMCs, you can go to their website jacksonemc.com, waltonemc.com, and you can see their programs. Not every EMC offers it, but most of them do, and I've been on it both with Jackson. And Walton. And in order to make it work, though, and save money, I find that you definitely have to turn your ACs off from 2 to 7 during the summer. Or you could be like me and have a solar energy system, and then I'm kicking that, that energy use in the face in the summer, my and man. I don't have to pay as much of my bill. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask Dr. Tidwell um, about wave and tidal energy. We've got 100 miles of coast in Georgia, and I know down at Sapelo Island where we're doing a charity solar project for the Gula Geechee community uh, I, as I was going around the island I noticed there was an old tidal mill there that they used to turn a millstone using the tide is that something you think it's going to come in coastal areas I don't know if it will or not but for a lot of folks they don't actually even understand what it is I'll tell you we've we've had a lot of discussions even with future engineers come right on. so wave and tidal energy is basically where you use the power of of wind waves right whether it's on the ocean or even big rivers, right? So you don't actually have to have the ocean to generate wave energy. And what that those waves are then used for are to turn turbines and thus produce electricity, but also on the ocean for water desalination efforts. And so there's actually a lot of research that happens in, in this part of the country on that up at Oak Ridge National Lab in Tennessee. And they work with the folks at Pacific Northwest National Lab out in Seattle, as well as Sandia in the middle of New Mexico, right, in Albuquerque. Hmm. Um, they all work together to see how this energy can be used well without affecting estuaries and other, you know. So they have this habitats. in London. Uh, they have a huge uh, bank. It's called, almost like a dam. Obviously, uh, boats can go over the top of it and stuff. But then under, under the water, they have these turbines. And when the tide flows in, then they capture that. And when the tide flows out, they capture that. So they get it both ways, and they get it at all times of the day. You're thinking about water turning a turbine. If you go to our lakes, uh, let's, let's just take Lake Oconee and Lake Sinclair. So during the afternoon, we let uh, and release water from the dam from Lake Oconee down into Lake Sinclair. But at night, we reverse those same turbines and pump the water back up while the electricity is cheap pump it back up out of Lake Sinclair into Lake Oconee so we can do the same thing all over again the next day. That's cool. And, and the cool thing is uh, you get a tide in those lakes. So usually you wouldn't think about having a tide. Of course, it's not caused by the moon. It's artificially caused. But it's that's called pump storage. And you see this a lot in northern Europe uh, where they have mountains and you, you pump the water back up and then release it the next day over and over again. And what you're doing is you're taking advantage of the fact that at night electricity is cheap and at night in Europe especially the wind is blowing. Why is electricity cheap at night, Tim? 
Well, because there's not a lot of demand for that electricity. Uh, uh, so demand impacts the cost of the power because the more plants you turn on, you wind up having to turn on your most inefficient plant in order to meet the demand of a busy, hot summer afternoon, plants that cost more to operate. And so the really cheap efficient plants are the ones that are the most economical to run for us in georgia it's the nuclear energy that we have it is the existing nuclear power is the cheapest but solar is really making great headway in georgia as the the solar that we're putting online now is actually cheaper than coal and so tim is it correct looking at that demand having to turn on those inefficient plants that at certain times the utility company actually loses money on the extra energy they have to supply well, there are, there are places where, not, not Georgia, where we're paying people to take our power, but if you look at, at Germany, for example, they will pay Poland to take their power. California mm-hmm. pays surrounding states to take their power if the wind is really blowing. Uh, and these intermittent sources of energy, you don't know exactly what they're going to do at what time, and so you have to plan for the worse, and the same way we overbuild our system here in Georgia because we're planning for the worse. When we have a polar vortex, people want to be warm, and they're mm-hmm. going to turn their heat pumps up, and it's going to impact uh, the grid, and we've got to be prepared for that. Well, let me ask you, John, about batteries. We've talked about extending the life of solar through batteries. You've got batteries on your home mm-hmm. in Smyrna. Uh, how do how do batteries? Atlanta. In Atlanta, <laughs> how does batteries actually work with a solar system? So uh, I was very grateful to get the first Tesla Powerwalls in Georgia, a, a, something for a geek like myself to, uh, to just nerd out on. And what it allows me to do is a 10KW solar system that I have now. Heretofore, I was only using some of it during a sunny day. I wasn't even in the house. I was in my office. And so what we were able to do is take all that excess power, stick it in a battery, and then in the evening time you come in and the oven turns on to cook and, and all these other apparatuses kick on, your electricity usage goes up, you're burning battery and you're not burning sun because ain't no sun. Well, words matter, and we're unpacking what all these energy words mean because we've got a linguist in the house. We're going to continue this discussion with Dr. Tidwell, Andrew Saunders, and John Noel. I'm Tim Eccles, and energy does matter. Stay tuned. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to gemcarservice.com. That's G-E-M, carservice.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. Every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you can attack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854, Row Insulating Company. Rope. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm your host, Tim Eccles. In the studio with me, as always, John Noel, former state representative and energy expert. John, how's it going? Good morning. And Andrew Saunders, sustainability director for Athens, Clark County. Thanks for having me. And Dr. Jackie Tidwell, a linguist and a professor at the University of Georgia Go Dogs. Yes, sir. It's nice to be here. John, you're outnumbered. We've got three oh. dogs uh, against um, a little <laughs> Chicago College. We were the Foresters. The Foresters. <laughs> well, those are my people. <laughs> <laughs> we were the Foresters. Hey, we had a big axe. That's yeah. all I could say. Yeah. 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 What was your – did you all carry around an axe? When or, I, when you know, the, early, the early – we actually had a Forester with an axe, and then, you know, as political correctness just took over – uh, Forster, the Forrester <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're a beaver now. It's hard to know really what's going on with these yeah. colleges nowadays. Well, we hope that you are, are on Twitter and that you follow us. The show is at Matters Radio. I'm at Tim Eccles. I'm a public service commissioner here in the state of Georgia. Andrew's at ACC Green. Stands for Athens-Clark County. ACC Green. The smallest county in Georgia, isn't it? That's correct. Geographically. Mm. Yes. But with brain power, the largest. 
Uh, debatable. Yeah. Oh. Oh, <laughs> don't give the bumblebees credit. Yeah, I don't want to give the bumblebees any credit. Uh, so uh, you're at The Why Supply. Yes, sir. Why did y'all call that The Why Supply? Because we're out there trying to find out why people choose to adopt the things they choose to adopt oh. around energy and thus supply that as data to all of these wonderful people like you guys. That's right. And we are sponsored this half hour by Arnold Golden, Golden and, and Gregory. Gregory. John, tell us about them. So Arnold Golden and Gregory is a, has a fabulous law firm in uh, in Atlanta. Uh, Atlantic Station. Atlantic Station, in yeah. fact, yeah. And uh, they they have a lot of knowledge in the business space. They have uh, their attention to detail and transparency. They help businesses, individuals. They take all kinds of clients. Uh, but their real focus is the business side of things. They have this great uh, expression, and I kind of like you hear it in a lot of other uh, areas in Atlanta. It's called, not if but how. Uh, AGG, uh, we appreciate their support. John Gornall, uh, and I don't know if he wants me telling anybody this, but during my campaign, he called me and said, Tim, I want to help you. And he took about four young people in his, uh, in his vehicle and went out and knocked doors uh, for me during that campaign. Wow. I tell you, that is way above the call of duty. I'll say. And I really, really appreciate Not it. Not every day a lawyer gets out from behind his desk. I mean, yeah, you know. John doing that. And they work a lot with the Georgia Solar Energy Association. You know, they host the Speaker's Dinner every year, and they're very involved with renewable energy. I mean, John, as they're doing big projects around our state, law, lawyers are just inevitably a part of those projects, aren't they? That's true. I mean, and, and, and you know, I, I make crack comments, but, I mean, they are they are an integral part of our society and our business. I, I'm a 20 year business owner. I've essentially become my own lawyer. Uh, I feels like because there's just so much legal stuff that goes on. Hey, we want to do some more Q and A, and uh, we've got the linguist in the house, and, and Dr. Tidwell uh, unpacking things for folks is important. I guess to helping them one be able to communicate with us and 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 help them go maybe further when when they're interested in something. In the last segment, we talked about tidal and wave energy. We talked a little bit about time of use rates and what that means. We talked about solar thermal versus solar PV. Andrew, let me turn to biomass, which is which is really uh, an energy source that doesn't get a lot of attention in Georgia. But we, we have all of these trees. You were a forestry, uh, you've got a forestry graduate degree. What is biomass exactly? So biomass is basically any organic thing you can burn to create energy, to make steam. And so it, traditionally it's going to be wood chips. When we're shipping it overseas, it comes in the form of wood pellets. But it could also be switchgrass, urban wood waste, and in its uglier side, it can be municipal garbage. You can actually mm-hmm. you can actually burn garbage. What about like the the tire shreds that Cox Enterprises through their Cox Conserves program? They're using that pyrolysis process, yeah. which is cleaner than mm-hmm. just burning them because it's an oxygen free environment. Do you see state of the art things like that with biomass? And would you consider tires to be biomass? I actually don't know that I consider tires to be biomass because you have to break them down into their original compounds to extract out the energy and resources. I'm sure there's people smarter that could debate that with Probably a close cousin. Yeah, I mean, technically you could say pallets are biomass, and and like I say, some some places burn trash, and and you could say that that's biomass as well. Uh, But we are seeing new technologies, and you know, another one that we see a lot of uh, picked up over the last decade was looking at making transportation fuels out of these organic products. So biodiesel... Like out of chicken grease or, or French fry oil, things like that? That's right. Yeah. Algae. Algae. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's a huge lab out there on a state out west where they have entire algae beds that are producing different forms of diesel. They are. That's exactly right. I was in Israel years ago, and they uh, there was a there was a new startup that was that was producing diesel fuel from algae. Yeah, I that's couldn't believe it. That's incredible. Yeah. I know UGA has a little algae. They do lab over there. I think it's off uh, off River Road where they're experimenting with that. Let me uh, let me ask you, Doctor Tidwell, about nuclear terminology i can't even say the word properly but uh nuclear power plants nuclear nuclear and we call that that actually a nuclear 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 transference nuclear yeah so you know president bush they always made fun of him for how he said it i'm sure people make fun of of me for how i say it but uh, you grew up with a dad working at one of these plants you've been to these plants you're not afraid of these plants uh and you've uh, i think you know the value that they have but 
you told me that they speak a language and it's not necessarily the same language. Well, they do. And so what a lot of folks don't know is that the the nuclear industry is governed by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. They've divided the country into four different regions. So you can actually think of the nuclear industry, even the way they talk about technical things, like, for example, tech specs or how they operate the plant, the way that they talk about something as basic as the public or safety is different in each region of the country or even in each fleet, so each utility. So it's really kind of fascinating. They all have different dialects. Fleet. And so in the case of Georgia Power, that would be our two nuclear plants that, that we currently have? That would be the Southern okay. Power Yeah, so plant, uh, plant Hatch mm-hmm. and Plant Vogel, yep. uh, which are both, by the way, in the same congressional district. Uh, they are both in the 12th district uh, with Rick Allen. Prior to that, uh, John Barrow. Uh, and, and John Barrow, many folks uh, in and around Athens will remember him as a county commissioner. He was very pro-nuclear energy. In fact, John, there are a lot of Democrats out there that are pro-nuclear energy, I think, because they they link these together with solar and wind and see a cleaner future without fossil fuel. Mm. They're also hypothesizing about carbon capture along with it in oh, some yeah. places. Yeah. Can you explain yeah. what carbon yeah. capture is? So yeah. carbon Jargon capture work. is a pretty new technology where the notion is that they're literally scrubbing the air, trying to capture CO2 and then store it. So think about basically having a big filter in the air that is grabbing those awful carbon dioxide compounds and then finding ways to transfer it and then use it in other situations. I mean, it's not as clean as the stuff that you know they they make your coca-cola fuzzy with but down uh, in mobile the southern company has a little research unit down there where it's a small uh small boiler where they are using coal and they are capturing the co2 and they're sending it down i believe an 11 mile pipe and then putting it down into a saline aquifer and, okay. and they've tested this technology. And one of the questions I had for them, well, how much energy did you use to actually send it down the pipeline to keep that compressor going? And they said it took about 22% of the energy of the plant just to run the sequestration piping operation. So I, I just don't I'm know if that's yeah. – I don't know if that's scalable. I'm not sure if I, I want to use that much energy locally yeah. you know, at the plant to be able to, uh, to run things. Yeah. Well, John, let me ask you a question uh, yeah. because insulate we're one of our sponsors, Row Insulating Company, and they put insulation in my house. And that was one of the first things that Jackson EMC said to me on my energy audit is you don't have enough insulation. Before you put solar panels on this, before you do anything else, you get that insulation in there to make this house tighter. So what is insulation and why does it matter so much? We talk about energy production a lot, solar, n- nuclear uh, all these other things, and what we forget about is the efficiency piece, making our homes, our businesses, as Andrew does, government buildings much more efficient. Insulation is a primary way to do that, and, and we all think of Pink Panther, these bats, these fiberglass bats that go in the wall or go under the floor or in our attic, and they go in between the joists and things like this. That is the basic, and I would argue the worst, uh, insulation. Then, then there's much better insulation in the attics, which are uh, this is a blown-in fiberglass. Row insulation can can talk about all this stuff, and this is what they do and do well. They blow in a fiberglass, a fluffy, uh, you know, loose fill. And then there's another version that's not fiberglass oriented, that is uh, also a fluffy and white, sort of white in in composition, white and gray in composition, and that's a cellulose or cellulosic, if you want to sex it up a little bit. Uh, uh, form of 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 uh, insulation, and then the last one, and and the Cadillac, if you might say, and in my opinion, the best, bar none, sound, uh, all kinds of other benefits that you get from it, is spray foam or spray in insulation, and that literally adheres to the walls, to the under uh, to the under portions of your home, to your attic, and that seals your home, depending on the type, open or closed cell. And several inches of this sort of foam, and it it, it 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 I don't know what you might call it, encapsulates your house in a way that that all these others allow air and things to get through. This really tightens and seals your home, 
and is the best form of insulation. It's also the most expensive, but it's a first-class way to insulate your house. Yeah, my insulation was about $2,400 on, uh, on the job. And yeah. that included putting a special tent on the attic door because I didn't realize I was losing an R factor of about seven out of that attic door. That's another piece. Yeah. Well, let's keep this conversation going. After the break, I want to give the audience my 12 for 12 challenge. Whoa. I have a special challenge that's going to save you $12 per week on your energy bill. I'm all ears. And while you're at it, look at us on Twitter. It matters radio for the show. John's at New Energy Guy. Andrew's at ACC Green. And Dr. Tidwell is at The Y Supply. So stick around. We'll be back to talk about how to save you energy, to use technology, and to help you live a more sustainable life. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMVW Auto Sales. Support for Energy Matters this half hour comes from BMVW Auto Sales, the only place to get your used electric car in Metro Atlanta. Unbelievable, but true. Mosin and his staff will loan you an EV for three days to try out. You won't be disappointed with the deal you get there. I've seen them. It's amazing. See more at ev-hybrid.com. And, John, you have had EVs. I've had EVs. And EVs aren't necessarily for everyone, right? So you need That's to— That's true. That's true. Yeah, you need to take a look at it and make sure this works. I mean, if you're a right. single college student graduating and you have relatives in another state, well, maybe it's not the best car for you to have. But That's if you, exactly right. If you uh, are married and you all have two cars, I don't really see why anyone that lives in a metro area with both— uh, both spouses working in you know in the in the metro area while they couldn't have, have one it, at, at least, least one, one electric yeah, car that's right that's been my thought too and these nissan leafs you can buy a 2015 nissan leaf for under ten thousand dollars a that's used true. one and so yeah. who cares if you get the tax credit or not and you don't have to do oil changes i mean you just get into all the stuff it's like it kind of blows your mind you know wait a minute i there's no engine in this thing anymore. Yeah. There's yeah. no parts to break down like In that. the studio, you're hearing his voice, uh, John Noel, former state representative, energy expert, and Andrew Saunders, uh, the sustainability director for Athens-Clark County. Andrew, uh, what's your thought on electric cars? I mean, you've you've, you've been around them. So I love them. I, I, I owned two over a period of three years, and what we found in our family is we always had a gas engine cousin, but we were always taking the electric as much as we could. Um, I'm really excited to see that market mature. Um, I think the early leafs and bolts and things of that nature uh, were great for early adopters, great for for Atlanta and urban environments. But um, seeing range tick up while price comes down is going to be that magic factor that makes it available to more people. Dr. Tidwell, uh, there's even uh, you're a linguist. You work at UGA. There's even language around electric cars. There certainly are. There's also language around uh, not only the cars themselves, but as we have discussed at times uh, with some colleagues of mine, there's language about the folks who use them. So Yeah, so what do you see as a difference between a Leaf driver and, say, a Tesla driver? <laughs> oh, I don't want to answer that on the air. But nonetheless, um, I think it does lead to the whole notion of the early adopter and, frankly, um, that identity that tends to to get communicated down from the, the folks who run those companies. So, You know, Casey Boyce, one of our frequent guests, has done studies in this area. Would it surprise you that most EV drivers are male? Nope. Yeah. 
John, you have a Tesla. Mm. Uh, what do you think is the difference between a Tesla le- a driver and a Leaf driver? You've actually had both. I've had both. I had I smuggled in uh, my Leaf. They didn't even sell them in Georgia, so I was I think I had the third Leaf in Georgia. Um, I am an early adopter, so I think uh, people that drive, whether it's Leafs or Teslas, want to be early adopters. Uh, and in the case of a Tesla, I think it has to do more about technology. I really, I really believe. I, I, a friend of mine is a, a tech entrepreneur guy in Atlanta, and he told me he had bought a he had bought a Tesla. He just told me yesterday he feels like it is on the cutting edge of innovation, and he wants. To, he's a cutting edge guy. He's a cutting edge company, and he wants to drive a cutting edge car. I feel the same way. And, you know, the conspicuous consumption element is another interesting aspect. What do you mean by that? uh, Oh, really? When the hybrids came out, you know, the Prius became the big dog on the block. But there were other hybrids available. And what some of the sociologists tell us is people bought Priuses because they were then recognized as being different. They set themselves apart, whereas the hybrid driver for a Honda or some other vehicle, it wasn't so visible. You know, Allie Kelly mentioned to us uh she's the uh, executive director for the racing anderson uh, foundation project down the ray highway she said that racy anderson who has passed away that when he had his con- conversion to be a green industrialist that he traded in his bentley for a prius uh, for exactly that reason I, and i and it. i said at the time i said to Allie, i remembered seeing him at a south faced energy dinner we were at the valet line in atlanta at marriott maybe he is up his car poles and it's a prius and i i went this guy is is walking the talk yeah let's talk about some ev technology language for just a second so john you hear about level one charging yeah level two charging yep. and some people say level three but it's really called dc fast charging unpack that for us what are are those three three levels mean so uh level one is plugging into the wall uh spin around in your house and there's a wall plug outside anywhere any any plug outside anything um and so when i had my leaf i would just plug into the wall and charge for a while then i got uh there was a doe grant and i got a level two charger and a level two charger they have to put that in. electricians come and put that in it's a box on the wall has a, a larger plug and uh and it goes into the uh into the electrical panel and in my case it was 24 amps which is sort of a larger uh uh circuit in your in your house and that charges your car faster so a level one would charge your car at approximately four miles of range per hour a level two at least in the case of my rather moderate level two charges at about 18 miles per hour and there's some higher uh amperage level twos at 32 amps of juice that's how much it's drawing uh that charge at about 22 miles per hour so that's that's in the low range of charging and then you move to the what's that you just kind of went really super dorky on us can oh, we can I, we just simplify it and okay. say yeah, 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 like yeah. a level two is basically like you're plugging into your dryer outlet and it's a lot quicker Ah. Uh. Yeah, and so Thank when you, you. look at, when you look in that fuse box, and you know, like the dryer and the and the AC, they take two circuits, right? Yeah, that's right. yeah so the weird looking plug. The charger does the same. That's the right. level two, there you go. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And when I put my level two into my garage, I the fuse box was in the garage. An electrician came out, two hundred dollars. Yeah, he put in what was called a junction box, yep. and then wired in the pigtail so to speak of the charger into that the charger was 499 yep so for about 700 dollars you can get a charger in your garage yep that will charge your your nissan leaf in about four or five hours that's uh, that's true and uh in fact with the with the both the tesla and i believe the leaf they have converter plugs on them so if you wanted to go el cheapo you could bypass the 500 hundred dollar box and just get a plug or use the dryer plug or whatever if your dryer happens to be in your garage or near there plug into that and and plug directly off of that electricity because all you're looking for is the electricity you're not looking for the boxes and everything else and that's what you're going for then you move to that level three uh or dc fast charger as it's sometimes called and that is uh that is just in the case of the tesla it is a special network that's built out that throws in about so we were talking about 24 amps or 32 amps now that thing is throwing about 400 amps it'll ramp down to about 
300 or 200 at various various times of the charge but you see this massive influx and no other cars have that so it so it gives you the very fastest charge in the world today but a typical dc fast charge level three would be 150 amps and it's a big old plug and you when you travel you stop at these tesla supercharger supercharger locations locations. Mm. and what do you do while your car sitting there lunch you go to the bathroom you stretch you let the dog out to pee those sort of things yeah it's great i mean if if you can orchestrate your drive making savannah's a great example did a lot of business in savannah macon had a supercharger cruised into the macon supercharger let the dog out wandered around a little bit visited friends had lunch downtown i can walk around and then go back to Supercharger, 45 minutes later, bam, I'm out of there. And you can get all the way from Macon to Savannah Absolutely. on the charge. And then yeah. what would you do in Savannah? It had taken me a week in my leaf. I mean, and actually, we installed the first Level 2 Charger at that courthouse uh, when I had my Nissan Leaf, and I was the first person to plug in at that, at that thing. And it took me half a day to get down there, and it took me nearly half a day to get back in that Nissan Leaf. Yeah, and so you got to Savannah, and they have more chargers there. Yes, they do. Yeah, so in Savannah, they've built out a, a network of level two chargers in the garages, and you just plug in, then you stay in the hotels nearby, and you're in business. Electric cars are coming. Uh, UBS says they're going to be disruptive in 2031. Tesla's bringing the Model 3, the $35,000 Model 3. You know, uh, Dr. Tidwell, as you think about low-income people in our state, uh, and, and electric cars and solar technology, and I know you, has, you haven't necessarily done research on electric cars, but what do you see as the obstacles to ownership or participation, in, you know, for folks that, you know, that aren't wealthy, that don't have college degrees, that kind of thing? Well, I mean, beyond the money aspect, the, the biggest obstacle is them understanding, and frankly, that range issue that got brought up earlier being addressed just because you just mentioned uh, that it would have taken you a week to get right. down down to, to Macon or Savannah. That's not possible or actually even healthy for for folks that are working to just right. make ends meet. And so that, that adaptability and schedule is not a luxury that they have. Mm. You, you know, Dr. Tidwell, you talk about perception, and I would wonder if those perceptions had played into policy in Georgia. The average EV driver is actually paying about four times in transportation tax what they would pay if they drove a gas engine vehicle. 200 bucks. And in my opinion, I think that that was perceived as the Atlanta tax. We're going to get those rich people in Atlanta, the early adopters, but I think the unintended consequences now, anybody who is low income could actually save money by being in one of these vehicles is hit with that punitive tax. And I think you're exactly right. One of the unintended consequences of what the legislators did there in 2015 is that low speed electric vehicles, you see these around on the UGA campus wow. at Georgia Tech, they have a tag, they have a seatbelt, they don't have any doors, they're the gym cars. And yeah. in fact, gym cars, gym uh, car service is one of our new sponsors. And uh, I was recently sent a copy of a tag receipt where a gym car was charged more than the man Silverado. We'll stick around after the break. I promise I'm going to tell you about my 12 for 12 challenge to help you be able to save $12 per week if you will just modify your behavior ever so slightly. And, John, that's $624 a year Yeah, to do something very, very simple. But you're going to have to think about it. You're going to have to do something every day to do this, but it's going to be worth it. So stick around for our final segment. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters, and you can follow us on Twitter at Matters Radio. We'll be back. You've heard about gym cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, gym cars and trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation gyms have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to gemcarservice.com to find out more. That's G-E-M carservice.com. Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706 795 
2854. It's important, isn't it, John? It's, it is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low-hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy right. Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Row Insulating Company. Get comfortable. Hey, we're back with Energy Matters, and it's actually a sad segment for us because we are saying goodbye today to oh. our most proficient uh, producer, <laughs> uh, uh. Amber Henderson, as she heads to California That's and right. works in California. Amber, you're leaving us. I'm so sorry. Yeah, and <laughs> what are you going to be, where are you going to be in California? What are you going to be doing out there? I'll be in Santa Rosa, California, and I'll be a morning show co-host for Whoa. a radio station called Froggy 92.9. Froggy, that is. Froggy. Yeah, and, isn't that cute? And, and will y'all play music <laughs> so or will it be talk radio? It's country music. Country, country music. Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> isn't that funny? So the Californians, do they, I mean, you know, Californians often mock Southerners, and, and most most country music, I think people think, originate from Nashville or okay. the South. Do, do Californians like country music? Absolutely. Country music is actually the biggest of all radio. It's the country music listeners, they range all over the United States. And it's actually really big in Northern California. And um, the listeners for country music look just like the listeners in Georgia. It's pretty It's pretty interesting to see because you see California as more of like an eclectic type of yeah. yeah, but actually the country music listeners are, uh, you know, about the same. Well, we wanted to just tell you that you're in for some shocks, especially <laughs> around energy, energy policy, other things like that. So I'm, I'm going to have my uh, team of experts kind of try to prep you for this uh, in th- in this episode. So I, I guess first uh, I want to say that you're in for a shock with traffic uh, in <laughs> California and tolls. I was recently out there for a football game. Uh, back during the season and and we we wound up getting in the toll lane which i thought the the pass covered it on the rental car but no that was only in a certain part of california and i started getting these bills uh for the tolls and the fines and it was awful so are you prepared for the traffic um the traffic in santa rosa isn't as bad um we're at an hour outside of San Francisco, so I'm not prepared. No, I'm not ready. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm perpetually a late person anyway. So. They listen to country music <laughs> in San Francisco? They do. Unbelievable. <laughs> this might blow your mind, Tim. And yeah. they listen to now. Andrew, are you yeah. ready? Andrew, what do you think she needs to be ready for in terms of energy out there? Well, you're going to use less of it, but it's going to be more expensive. Like how much more? What, like 25 double? to 30%? Yeah. I, I think oh. it's going to oh, be no, at least 25 or 30%, okay. if not double, because you're probably paying about $0.12 cent, you know, plus junk fees on your bill now. And I would suggest you make sure that you call your utility and ask them about their time of use rate, because okay. from 2 to 7, you may be at work, and that house may be empty, and you may be able to save some money there. Mm. Yeah, so that's something to think about. John, what do you think she needs to consider oh, you know, else, with John? energy sustainability when she's in California? Uh, you need to get LED light bulbs. Okay. That is like a no-brainer. They're cheap at Home Depot. Just load up on the appartamente. Okay. That. And then I like the idea of that uh, variable rate, but you also might look at getting an electric car because they, they subsidize very heavily. Uh, they have, unlike Georgia, they actually have a state incentive when you buy electric cars there. There's there's a state oh. incentive. Um, they have, uh, you know, preference in lanes. There's many more charging stations. It's far more advanced in adopting electric cars there uh, than it is here. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, that, that Tesla factory is is up there Fremont. in yeah in Fremont and, and it used to be actually I think the El Camino factory Is that they right? used to make El Caminos So get a tour of that well, okay. the first thing you do get there um, get a tour of that factory because it is like something out of space age you know it's amazing it's so the most like advanced space. factory in the world So cool. we've got a linguist here uh, oh, yeah. and certainly there's a lot of difference in the way Californians talk I mean is she going to have like some kind oh, of god is, is she going to have some kind of southern a southern accent withdrawal as she gets out there and talks to all the all the valley girls all the no, valley girls because they have their own wonderful beautiful accent out there but what i will say um, though is actually no. their perceptions of energy you are going to get to benefit from so <laughs> excuse me first of all there is a 
because of the climate and microclimates out there. Um, nice. I actually lived in the Bay Area for over a year and a half and didn't have air conditioning. So my electric bill actually wasn't too terribly bad. Yeah. Wow. So that's the case. But then there's also something called the Bay Area Shares Program, where you can register to get discounts on zero emission vehicles. So boom. there's a lot of influx of, of good perceptions and thus resources. Okay. You know, John... Uh, Cox Enterprises, the parent of this station, for their employees in California, they actually finance solar panels for their employees for a time. So there are a lot more homes or apartments that will actually have solar already on it. And there's about to be a lot more because they just passed a bill saying if you build new construction, you have to have solar in California. Not Mm -hmm. solar ready. You got to have it on it. That's pretty big news. And the state as a whole is going by, and I'll make the number up. Somebody can double check it, but uh, 2040 or something. I mean, the state is going to be 100% renewable energy portfolio for all the state energy consumption, which is mind-blowing. And, of course, you're going to enjoy, you know, the beaches and all the great things that you see out in California. I can only go out there for a a little while, and I I start going crazy with the way (laughs) – they think about Republicans, because I'm a Republican, and and in kind of their energy philosophy, I, I differ a lot from those guys. So I'm friends with some of their commissioners, but I don't think I could, I don't think I could live out there, John. Well, so I went for the uh, Rose Bowl, and, and nobody made fun of my accent, and no. things didn't get too dicey. But if they do, just take what we do in Europe when we're traveling and tell them you're Canadian. Oh. <laughs> The Andrew Saunders Doctrine. <laughs> they told me Tell my accent Canadian. was charming. They said there was a few words that they found charming. They oh. like it. Like, okay, they thank you. Up. They ate it up. Well, we're going to really miss you. I'll miss our, you guys, too. On our show, and you've really just made it top drawer and better than I ever thought it could be. And so well, thank you too. best of luck as you head to California, and we hope to see you again. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate uh, that. Well, that's our producer, Amber Henderson, is heading to California, and we're going to miss her. We want to continue with our expert panel, John Noel, former state representative, my co-host. Yes, sir. Andrew Saunders, the sustainability director for Athens-Clark County, and Dr. Tidwell, a linguist and professor at the University of Georgia. We've been unpacking in this episode words because we've got a linguist in here, and we want to make sure that you understand. we have the best words. And we do have some phenomenal words. Have, Have you ever heard of NIMBY? NIMBY, uh, you've heard of that, Dr. Tidwell. Quite a bit. Yeah. NIMBY or not in my backyard syndrome. Uh. It first really emerged in conversations in the 80s, but it's become a really big issue for those of us who do energy work because it's this notion of, yeah, your renewable energy, like your solar array is fine, just not next door to my really pretty house. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And uh, this was an example, uh, this happened in Nashville. Uh, the people, everybody, the man everybody loves to hate, Al Gore, uh, bought in a high rent district, uh, Bell Mead in Nashville, and um, he wanted to put solar panels on his house. And he was the first person in this affluent area of Nashville to put solar panels on their house, and everybody had a fit. They're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be incredibly ugly, blah, blah, blah. You have to get a special permit, blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, I mean, he finally got it, but it took a huge deal to get solar panels on a house in Nashville. You know, five, ten years ago. You know, I hear that time and again about the the visual appeal of solar panels, and I just keep thinking to myself, I don't think roofs are that particularly attractive. No, and I think it was even on the backside of that. I don't think anybody gave you to see Ugly it. doors, my thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. John, you and I were talking about composting and biomass, and we had I had purchased a biogas unit from Israel, the first in, yes. in Georgia, and my neighborhood association would not allow me to put it in my backyard and you wound up buying the unit yep i uh, did i did and, and that's in my backyard yeah so but you've got a different backyard you've got a garden you've that's got right. a pool you've got uh you've got all kind of stuff out there because yep. you have more acreage that's than, right just than more I land yeah. yeah yeah and so you know in germany uh, when i was over over there and they were building their offshore wind turbines these are really big 110 meter wind turbines out in the north sea they wow. were having trouble running the big 500 kv these are the giant lines with the big big steel towers that you see Uh, they were having trouble getting the energy from the northern part of germany to bavaria where the manufacturing is you think about mercedes bmw porsche all those guys down in bavaria and they the folks did not want those big towers 
in their backyard and that that the nimby issue certainly presents challenges yep yep yep. and this is this is i i i've talked about the need that i think we have for offshore wind i think we ought to be looking offshore wind but it can be over the horizon there's technologies now that allow it to be over the horizon well i've got to to give some uh linguistic explanation to my 12 for 12 challenge i've been i've been hyping this and and here's the 12 for 12 challenge and and i've really thought of this challenge as i as i leave my house i go around and i click off lights i have the compact fluorescents and i have leds and i replace those compact fluorescents with leds as soon as they burn out but i notice that normally after my family's gone and i'm the last one to leave that I'm clicking about 12 lights off. About 12 lights off. So I asked Georgia Power to compute what 12 60-watt incandescent lights that are left on all the time, what those cost. And they said it's about $12 a week. So here's my my 12 for 12 challenge. You walk out of your house, you click off lights, you do it 12 times. You're going to save $12 per week. And we had our linguist do the math. It was, what, what uh, $624 per year just from playing the 12 for 12 game. I mean, That's amazing. John, how hard is it to start a habit like this? That's not hard at all. And uh, uh, my lady friend and partner doesn't seem to figure that out. Uh, I've got, there's all kinds of lights on at the house. It drives me insane. <laughs> it's not just a gender thing. It's my husband, too. It actually is a gender thing. <laughs> no, it's I know this is going to yeah, be no, I'm the only female thing. on the mic. Yeah. I'm telling you. There's my research from yeah. Auburn. Yeah, no, yeah. You've yeah. got a PhD. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, no. Well, we're going to have to say goodbye to all of our panelists, <laughs> and we've had them on this full hour. I want to thank Dr. Tidwell for all her work at UGA and for being on our show today. Keep up the great work. Andrew Saunders, you're you're awesome, and, and thanks for what you're doing for Athens-Clark County. Uh, I'm Tim Eccles, and my host, John Noel, uh, wishing you a great weekend and reminding you that energy does matter. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, $2, or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. If you like to do this, or that, or even that, and you want to stay with it, Emory's got your back, or your shoulder, or your hip, or your knee. Our sports medicine specialists treat more world-class, professional, and college-level athletes than anyone else in the state. We'll treat you like a pro and get you back in play. That's the Emory difference. Make an appointment at emoryhealthcare.org sports.